<laughs> but anyway, we've been talking about, uh, we just welcome you here, we've been talking about winning faith projects. And in winning faith projects, uh, has anybody ever had something that they've been believing God for or trying to carry on and go forward and you just, it just ain't working, you know? And uh, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting to the place where we ask the Lord for stuff, for stuff and things and we seek God for it and then we actually see those things happen. And how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of times where the devil has just eaten our lunch in it and it stinks. You know, I don't like that. I know you don't like that either. And, but there's certain things that we need to do to make sure that we're walking well in that. One of the things we talked about on Sunday is that we're not just learning how to do these things because, um, just because God said to. It's not just a do this, don't do that. What we're doing is we're learning how to love better. We're learning how to love on God better, love on other people better, walk in love, walk in the power of love. And whether people know it or not, love is the most powerful force on this earth. And when we learn how to walk in that, but I will say that the world has a tainted view of what love is in the first place. But when God is love and you learn how to walk in him, it makes all the difference in the world. And everything starts to take on the different shape and so we've been in this verse in Hebrews 6 12 says this so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those follow those uh, who through faith and patience inherit the promises so a lot of us have started out in faith but we have not maintained patience. We have not learned how to uphold faith. And so we get to the end and we never see the promises of God. And uh, so let's just go into this tonight and let's just say, hey, I want to learn how to love better. I want to learn how to uh, walk more in the greatest power in the universe. I want to learn how to do that because I'm tired of getting beat down. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been at that place. I'm tired of, of just getting beat down. I'm tired of nothing working. I'm tired of always running into dead ends. That's what we're talking about tonight. So, Lord, right now, we just ask you, Father, for your blessing and your word to pour out, shine the light on our lives. Lord, we're coming in. We're not coming in going, we know everything. We've got everything under control. We're here because we don't have it under control. We're here because we do need help. That means, Lord, that we do need to change. We need to allow the Word of God. We need to allow you, Father, to change us. So humbly, because of that, humbly, we come tonight. We hand ourselves, we put ourselves in your hand, and we receive your goodness. We know that we will because you are truly a good father. And, Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this verse here uh, in Hebrews 6, 12, and, and let's back up there to 6, 11. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So, in other words, what's one of the first things that we need to show is we need to show some diligence. This is not something that's just a good idea. We need to be diligent to press into this. If we're not diligent, how can we expect to receive the promises of God? 
So then we go on. We need to be diligent. We need to realize the full assurance of the hope until the end. In other words, there's things that we hope for. And God, this is God's talking. He wants you to see the full assurance, the fullness of what the things you're hoping for. He wants to see those things manifest. But we play a part in this. We play a role. Now, see, there's a thought uh, throughout all the, you know, pretty much all of American Christianity that you'll find this thought that God is controlling everything. But the truth of the matter is he could if he wanted to, but at one point he made the choice to actually put a lot of that control in your hands and mine. And when he did that, we either realized that or didn't realize that. The devil's constantly trying to get us to, re to not realize that so that we just back up and go, well, God's in control. And then the devil can just run all over us because we won't take control of the world. We won't take control of our lives. God's will is to let us partner with him. And if we will partner with him, then what we'll see is the fullness of the hope. We'll start to see the things that we hope for come to pass. How are we diligent? In verse 12, so that you will not be sluggish, so that you won't, you won't be slow, you won't be missing this, but you will be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And we read, we talked about the fact that you want to be imitators of those that know how to receive the promise. You want to follow those. The, if you look at this, it'll, it basically says imitate them, follow them. These are the kind of people that you want to follow. Ones that know how to get their prayers answered. Ones that know how to hang on. Ones that know how to see the full assurance of their hope made manifest. So in this series, uh, we've looked at this. Have we ever had that thought? I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm done. You know, anybody ever thought those thoughts in any place, any, any section? That's what we're talking about is getting to the place where not only do we, maybe we see those thoughts come up, but now we know what to do with them. Now we know how to turn the corner and actually win these things. And we've talked about increasing God. God wants us to win. Will you put up the uh, title slide up there? And where it just says, look, win, win again, and win more. This is actually the heart of God for you because he's always causing you to triumph. He's always causing you to win. He's always desiring for you to increase. Well, that ought to tell us something right there. Now, that's in the Word, and that's a, I can prove that to you through preaching a whole another series, but we're not in that series, so I'm going to hold off on that, and, and you might be happy about that, but I'd like to preach it myself. But anyway, um, we need to understand that this is the heart of God. If we don't understand that this is the heart of God, then we'll just accept defeat in so many different areas. How many, how many people feel like in some places of their life they've just accepted defeat before? And here's the thing. Do you know that you accepted defeat? Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, you may have accepted it and had no idea that you accepted it. And so Christians and people in the church, they just keep getting beat up and, and, and then they back up and then blame it on God. Well, he's in control. So we talked about winning the faith projects. A lot of times what will happen when we are running the race of God, running the race of life, we'll head down, we're heading towards God, 
God will start to give us a vision. He'll start to give us a promise. He'll show us that he wants to win. He'll show us that he wants us to triumph. He'll show us these things. He'll show us that he wants us to be the head and not the tail. Right? Above and not beneath. Blessed going in and blessed going out. You know, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Right? He wants us to be the lender and not the borrower. These, this is in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 28. Okay? These are the blessings. This is at the first part of Deuteronomy 28. He'll start showing you promises. He'll start showing you how he wants you, beloved, above all things. I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You start seeing these as the heart of God and the promises of God, and all of a sudden he'll give you something to believe for. We'll start heading down that path, and at the beginning we may be so fired up on the promise of God, but then there tends to be a time where we let go of some of the fire of that. We don't need to, but the corrupted human nature, the flesh nature, tends to take us into a place where we're sitting there going, you know, I'm just not thinking on the promise as much anymore. I'm not, and all of a sudden it gets kind of dull. Well, about that time, the flesh, the corrupted flesh rises up inside of us and it starts telling us, oh, this is too hard. This project is too hard. You can't, you know, you're believing God to get you out of that place and, and uh, it's just too much. You're never going to get out of here. You're never going to escape that. And so the flesh starts talking to you. Well, before you know it, the flesh is yelling at you and you you start lining up with the flesh and start going, yeah, that's right, this is so hard. And now you've accepted hard. And now the only way to get out because you've accepted the hardness of it, the only way to get out of the hardness of it is to let the faith project go. At least that's the corrupted logic that goes along with it. So we get off of the track of God. We circle around and there for just a moment we feel better because we've escaped the hardness that we actually put on ourselves and so the flesh is happy yay but then all of a sudden we realize up oh, we missed it we took a wrong turn we that was not the exit i wanted this was not the exit i was looking for and uh, all of a sudden did you catch that thank you that's good star wars anybody okay all right I'm entertaining myself, just so you know. And that's what's funny. It's hilarious. In my mind, you should hear the laughter right now. So right here, <laughs> there's, right here is conviction. There's conviction by the Holy Spirit because when he loves you, he's not. Let's say that we do take a wrong turn in life. All of a sudden, here's what's going to happen. Do you think God, you think somebody who loves you is just going to be like, oh, no, that's the right path. Just keep on going. That's not what somebody that loves you does. Somebody that loves you says, hey, can I help you? Can I get you back on the right path? Let me, you know, love corrects, disciplines, exhorts, builds them up, but it, it brings correction and discipline as well. That's what love does. You know, it's like, it's like I've used this uh, before. If I come home one day and my kids are standing on top of the house and they, get, they got in their head that they can fly and jump off the house, then what am I going to do? Am I just going to sit back and be like, yeah, have at it? Not if I love them. If I love them, I'm going to say, don't move. I'm not trying to tell them what to do. I'm trying to guide them to the place where they won't get hurt. 
I'm trying to guide them to health. I'm not just trying to do this, don't do that. That's not what it's about at all. What I'm trying to do is love on them. I'm going to convict them of this is going to be an error. Okay, And so then it comes back around and, and then the devil comes and he says, yep, you missed it, and he heaps on the condemnation. And it hurts. And then we're like, oh, he's, you're so awful. You were trying to do good, and now you missed it. God told you not to do that. He told you where you want to do. And see, the devil's playing both sides. He's playing the voice of the flesh, and he's playing now when you miss it and do what he was trying to get you to do. Now he tries to pour on condemnation on you. It, we've said it before, he's a jerk. But then eventually we generally will get tired of condemnation and the Holy Spirit will let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do, which is restore us. You know, love corrects and disciplines, but it also exhorts and builds up. And he, he, he brings healing to us. And when he brings healing, we come right back around to the vision that God gave us, the promise. And he, it's, it hasn't gone away Remember, his calling is without repentance. His, this is the way God works. He called you to do something. He's going to keep on until it's done. This is the mandate. This is the mission. So he continues on. Here again, guess what? The devil pressed that button last time and made you eject on God's plan. You think he's not going to press it again? He's going to keep pressing that same button until you win it. And this is where we've got to learn, hey, I don't want to go in this cycle anymore. And when the flesh starts yelling, I need to know what to do. So tonight we're talking about how. And one of the things is, let me just put up this uh, picture. This is the way that it should look. We should never enter into this cycle trap. What we should do is come down the race. Do you have that other picture there? We should run down the path of God, run in the race. God gives us the promise and the vision. After a while, the devil learns that you're not just going to fa uh, fall for an all-out attack from the flesh. So what he does is he ramps the flesh up. And he just tries to get louder and louder so that you will eject the path and start going into the cycle trap. But what we do is we learn to recognize the voice of our flesh, the voice uh, of that temptation, and we slam the door on it and we just keep running down. We win that faith project and we keep running down the path of God. Now, we're not wasting time. We're not expending extra energy. We are very efficient on getting the things of God done. We're being diligent. A lot of the church has missed this, and in, in what I've seen, in my experience, we miss this because we don't know how. This is, this is major Christianity stuff, but yet we've given in to the flesh so much as such a horrible testimony, you know? But we need to be the kind of people that have a great testimony on this. So... We, we talked about the fact about the uh, Eastern Church. If you haven't seen all these, you can go back to it. But, you know, the Eastern Church, they don't view uh, God as a piece of their life. If you uh, see a pie piece, the Eastern Church uh, doesn't view God as a part of their life. They view their life through the eyes of God. In other words, God touches every part of their life it's not just a part it touches every part they view it through the lens of god this is a very important concept because in america we just try to set uh, segregate all the different pieces of our life and god is one of those 
But that's not the way that it should be. The Bible really shows us, if you take its whole counsel, that this whole thing needs to be viewed through the eyes of God. When I work, when I play, when I sleep, it needs to be viewed through the eyes of God, every piece of our life. This is a a concept that we really need to get in the Western church. We need to see that he plays a part in everything. And if we don't see that and we don't do that, then we're going to go through life and we're going to be wanting God and expecting God over here, and he's not going to be able to be there. This is what happens uh, when when we come up over here. A lot of times when we exit the plan of God, it's because we haven't brought him into that decision. We haven't... Uh, look through the lens of God in that area of our life. And then we wonder why we keep cycling and circling and doing the same things. So one of the things that I said is um, that we, a lot of times we will give up because we have limits in our head. We have limits. And we talked about, you know, when I was in boot camp and how just some of the limits that, of stuff that I thought I could do just came off, you know. I mean, it just, and once those limits came off, there was a whole new realm of things that I could do, that I wanted to do. Well, we've got to see that in the spirit, too. We've got to recognize that we are in a spiritual world, although all what we see is just physical, with these physical eyes. We're in a spiritual world. That's more real than what you see with your eyes. When you start to understand that, you'll start to walk in the power of it. That's when you start to see the miracles and the supernatural things of God actually take place. When we start looking with those kind of eyes. I tell people this as far as this is concerned. Many times in my job as a pastor, everybody in some form or fashion is going down and they have a faith project in their life. Somehow they have one. In my job as pastor, what I find myself doing the majority of the time is just talking them into maintaining patience. Stay in faith. But what happens so many times is they'll call me up and just say, Pastor, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And and I'll say, no, stay in. You've got this. You wouldn't be in this if you couldn't handle it. Stay there. And if I can get them, and I've said this, I've seen it happen. If I can just get them to stay on the path, they will win and not go in that trap. Every time. I just can't help it if they give up on God. They're not giving up on me, they're giving up on the promises of God. But man, we'll listen to that flesh voice a lot of times because it yells so loud and we don't know how to control it. But if I can get them to stay, they'll win. Then we talked about David. And David, I know it's been a couple of weeks, so we're reviewing some of the David, remember, before he went up against Goliath, he killed the lion and the bear. In other words, what he brought with him was a hope and an experience that played a part. And when he started to go up against Goliath and, and King Saul was looking at him, he's like, hey, you're a kid. He said, hey. When the lion and the bear came up, the Lord was with me then, and he will be with me now. And what we see is we see how this works. When we stop going around these traps and we start winning faith projects and going forward, all of a sudden we build up an experience, and that experience builds up to a hope. And the next time we hit a faith project, we think, hey, last time God was with me. 
He'll be with me this time. And then it starts gaining speed and gaining momentum. And you start to realize there's nothing I'm facing that God won't be with me. And it brings even more faith and more strength. And the ability of the faith projects that we can win starts to grow. We can, we can win bigger ones. We can win them more. We can win them more often. And now you got the church actually doing what they're supposed to and Christians actually being who they're called to be. So this, is, you, this relates to every area of your Christian walk. And everybody's life, it relates to them. Because even if they're not born again, a believer walking in this can help bring somebody to the place where they win. So this is what we've been talking about. Tonight we're talking about uh, how to. How do we win? I mean, what are the nuts and bolts of it? And it, I, I wrote this, faith, success is pressing, is us pressing by the power of God's promises through the pressure of our flesh to stop. Say that again. Faith success is pressing by the power of God's promises through the pressure of your flesh to stop. The flesh is putting pressure on you to stop and faith to win is pressing through that by empowered by the love of God and his promises. Each success makes it easier to repeat the next time. Here's the things, five steps. There's a couple of little things beneath it. You can look, uh, if you go to boomerangchurch.org uh, slash notes, you can see this. Uh, here's the steps to win your faith project. Number one, know your position. Number two, believe the promises. In order to believe the promises, you must maintain hope. Number three, don't grow weary. In order to not grow weary, you need to set sin and temptation aside. You need to take thoughts captive. In order to take thoughts captive, you need to set your eyes on Jesus, and you need to resist sin and temptation to the point of death. Number four, be patient and persevere. And number five, repeat the process. <laughs> repeat. All right? So in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, the number one thing is know your position. In Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, we see, and we've been talking about this a lot over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the fact that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. If we're born again and we know Christ, we are seated in heavenly places with him. We are, we are not in the position of just being on this earth. Spiritually and legally, we are seated in the place of authority. Well, without knowing that, the devil comes up and he'll test you. He'll find out where you, where you are. He'll try to test your authority. He'll try to see what you really believe. He'll try to put pressure on the flesh and see if you believe what you say or you just mouth in words. And he'll try to find out, where, what's your position? Are you on earth looking around with eyes, earthly eyes? Or are you, do you know that you're seated in heavenly places with Christ at the place of authority? In other words, he'll just he'll put temptations and stuff in your life, particularly on backing out of faith projects, and, and he'll find out. Well, he'll try to cross those lines. It's kind of like he'll throw symptoms on you, and he'll see how you'll respond. So let's say that you're believing for finances, right? 
Well, if you're believing for, all right, I need, I need $500 by Friday. If I don't have it, we're in trouble, right? Everything's going to bounce and we got problems. Well, what does he do? On, on Monday, he starts planting seeds in your mind about how, oh, Friday's coming quick. And on Tuesday, he has the bill collector call, right? On Wednesday, he has them call three times, Right? He does whatever he does to challenge you. Now, at some point, somebody who's seated with Christ stands up in the middle of that and says, hold on, I don't care who says what. I don't care how many times the bill collector calls. Makes no difference to me. This is a promise, not out of my mouth, out of the mouth of God. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know where I'm seated. In Jesus' name, I take that authority and finances be, and now it's done according to the word of God. And now, see, that's what somebody who's seated with Christ does. But a lot of times what happens to us is we just walk through and we just take the punches from the devil. We just take them. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know where we are and what position we're in. We need to know that we are the apple of God's eye. So many times he will try to talk you out of your position by telling you how bad you are, how, how much you messed up, what you've done wrong. And all of a sudden it completely unseats us out of the love of God. And so the love of God is, you know, he's wanting to do and give all this. But if we will allow ourselves, to our position to be moved out of the heart of God, we, we'll sit there and we'll accept all kinds of condemnation and, and judgment and maybe, quote, unquote, the wrath of God because we don't know that he loves us. We don't know that our position is in the middle of his heart. Even if we don't know him, he still loves us. Even if we're not born again, he still loves us. He loves the world. But if the devil can challenge that, get you out of your position, then it makes this a lot easier to exit and not win that faith project. At some, t at some point, the person that is constantly winning their faith project has to recognize their position in Christ. And when they recognize it, they'll stand up for it. You know, it's kind of like, um, what's something that, what's an example of something that somebody's received in their life where somebody tried to tell you you were something and you just didn't accept it, you just didn't receive that? No, that's not me. Has anybody ever tried to have a really high character and then somebody come along and say, hey, you're, you're a liar, you're lying. Anybody ever tried to do something like that? And, and I mean, it grates against you. No, I am not a liar. You know, and it can be a number of different character traits or whatever. Now, why would you stand up to that? Because it cuts so much against the grain of who you are that you won't stand for it. Well, we've got to know who we are and know our position in Christ that when the devil brings up the faintest, accusation that seats us in the wrong position something on the inside of us stands up and says no uh-uh that ain't happening no sorry you know something like this well you know I remember um, Jerry Savelle was on the airplane one time they were talking about the recession and on the front news it said recession hits 
Well, he was reading the headlines of the newspaper talking about the recession hits. Well, he stands up, he takes that paper, and he goes, that will not be have anything to do with me or something along those lines. Now, he didn't, he, he, I think he said, if I remember it correctly, he said, I didn't realize I said it out loud on the plane. I just, he said, I will ha that will have nothing to do with me. Well, the guy across the aisle said, what will have nothing to do with you? He said, that recession. He said, I'm a child of God. I'm seated in heavenly places. See, what the devil tried to do in that moment was take a headline and try to plant the seed of unseating Jerry into another seat of poverty and recession and tried to manifest that fruit, trying to bring it about. But Jerry said, mm-mm. Now, why did he have that reaction? Because he knew that was not his seat. That, I, that has nothing to do with me. I'm not moved by what happens in the world. I'm moved by the word of God. I live in his righteousness, by his power, by his love. That's where my life comes from. That's where it comes from. So he was not moved. And we've got to, at some point, if we're going to win faith projects, we have to stand up when the devil tries to throw us and unseat us with Christ, from Christ. Amen? Number two, we have to believe the promises. The key verse that we're reading here in Hebrews uh, chapter 6 and verse 12 says that we will be imitators of those who faith and patience, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We've got to have faith on the promises to ever win a faith project. So we've got to believe these promises. We can't just talk about them. We can't just think, yeah, that's a good idea. I sure do hope that happens to me someday. I sure do hope that promise manifests. Lord, that sure would be nice. No, 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 no. We've got to stand up and start saying, I believe that. I believe that for me. I believe when God spoke that promise and he was talking to the church, he was talking to me. I believe in that promise. Second uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 1. And verse 20. Once we start seeing the promises of God and the Bible is filled up to the brim with them, once we start seeing uh, the promises of God, then we just got to believe them. But we need to know what those promises are. I turn to 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So in other words, what he's saying right here, and it, we'll look at it in the King James. Uh, will you put that up? For the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. In other words... Here's what God wants to do with his promises. Tell you yes about them. Lord, is this my promise? Yes. And our response, and in him, he says amen, which means so be it. In other words, Lord, do you want to give me this promise? This is the heart of God right here. Yes, so be it. Yes, so be it. At some point, if we're going to win these faith projects, we've got to treat those promises like that. This is the heart of God towards his promises for me. Yes, so be it. And receive his love. Yes, 
and so be it. Now, in order to believe the promises, let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11. We have to, you must maintain hope. Hope is a joyful, confident expectation. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, is faith going to work if you don't have hope in something? No. Without hope, faith has nothing to back up. Faith has nothing to support. So hope is a huge key as part of our theme this year. There's hope. There is hope. A joyful, confident expectation. There's hope. In other words, if we are not having a joy and a confidence and an expectation towards the promises of God, faith is not going to be there. So what does the devil come after? Your hope. He might not, he might can, you know, he might not can stop you from having faith, but he knows faith won't work without hope. So he starts attacking your joy. Well, I might be believing God for finances, but he might bring somebody in your life that's causing you all kinds of headaches and problems and fussing with you at work. You get out of joy, and now all of a sudden you're moving out of the place of hope, and it's affecting your faith for those finances. Hope is joy. Hope is expectation. So he starts attacking your expectation. Faith, hope is joyful, confident expectation. He starts attacking your confidence in that promise. He can do it through so many different ways, but we've got to recognize, oh, oh, oh no, sir, you're not stealing the hope from me. Just because you think everybody else might fall for it, I'm not falling for that. You're not stealing my joy. You're not stealing my confidence in the promises of God. You're not taking away my expectation. And a lot of times he'll attack it directly. You know, he'll attack your hope on that promise directly. Do you really think God's going to come through by then? Now all of a sudden you're not expecting it to come through by then because you dwell on that. And all of a sudden you have no hope left. You try to have faith on something where there is no hope and it all just falls to pieces. So we have to do these things. We have to know our position. We have to believe the promises. And in order to believe the promises, you must maintain hope. Number three, there's a huge one, don't grow weary. That's basically what we're talking about in the whole series. We have to have faith and patience and not let go of that. We can't let go of that. we got to not grow weary. You've got to maintain that patience and persevere. Well, how do we do that? Look here at Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse 9. I gave you scriptures for each one of these. You can go and uh, study them. Turn. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Do you see that as an absolute promise of God? If we 
do not grow weary, we will reap. This is God talking to you. So do you see, all I got to do is just not grow weary. I'm going to reap if I just won't grow weary. So the devil just tries to get you weary, tries to wear on you, wear on you, wear on you, wear on you, wear on you. Wear on you. Oh, my gosh. He tries to wear on you, weigh you down, wear you out. Why? Because he doesn't want you to reap promise. He wants you to give up on it. He wants you to do that cycle about 100,000 times until you die and go to heaven. He might not can stop you from going to heaven, but he can stop you from being an overcomer. So he'll wear on you, wear on you, wear on you. Well, you've got to recognize that. This goes back to position. You've got to say, whoa, 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 time, 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 time out. Time out. What's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? What? Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Something's going on. He's trying to wear on me. He's trying to wear me down. He's trying to get me weary. And this is, when he's trying to get you weary, the stuff, this kind of comes out of your mouth. This is what you start thinking on. This is taking too long. It's too much. I don't know if I can do this again. I don't know if I can make this. It's just been too long. There's such a nuisance. Y'all never had that, I'm sure. Nobody's laughing. God, there's such a pain can't put up with them any longer what's he doing he's trying to wear on you trying to get you focused on the wearing instead of on the promise he's trying to change the focus he's trying to get in this area where he can start talking to you and through your flesh so that you'll pay attention more to the flesh than you do the promise we've got to be diligent and when we understand that he's trying to talk to us through the flesh, we got to say, I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to the promise. Start putting the promise in. Start putting those things in. Put the truth back in there. Stop letting him dim the lights down on you and turn up the light by, by getting in relationship with Christ. Turn up the light by getting in relationship with the promise, with the heart of God, and receive what God has for you. Don't grow weary, and you will reap. That's a huge promise in itself. I realized some years ago, I was reading that, and I realized if I don't grow weary, I win in Jesus' name. If I don't grow weary, I win. I was like, I cannot grow weary. I mean, it took me some practice, but eventually I got to the place where I started recognizing getting weary. I started recognizing weariness. All of a sudden, I started recognizing what was going on, and I thought, hey, if all I got to do is overcome weariness, and I reap, done. I started changing my limits, changing my thinking. I stopped listening to, it's too much. And I started listening to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I started listening to, I will reap. If I don't grow weary, in due time, I will reap. God always wants me to try. He won't put me in a temptation that's greater than I can handle. I start listening to that instead of the it's too much weariness. 
Don't grow weary. How do we not grow weary? Now, this is a huge, huge point. How do we not grow weary? Number one is this. Let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Lots of scripture tonight. Is that going to get you weary? Okay, just checking. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, that's every weight, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run the race that is set before us. And what's one of the ways that we do that and stay out of weariness? We drop the weight of sin. We drop the entanglements of sin. You think about this. You're running a race. Doop, 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 doop. You're going 20 miles running a race, right? Well, how, how, all right. How many people want to do that? No? No? But here's the thing. What if you could? What if 20 miles really stopped looking long to you? What if long to you was 40? Well, then is 20 a big problem? You see, right there. What is that when I ask that kind of question? You see already the world, the corruption of the world already has trained all of us to go, mm -mm, I don't want to do that. It, it kind of starts like this too. I don't want to pray for patience. pay for patience you'll you'll get some you'll get a come up at, in patience i don't want to pray to be humble well my lord these are fruit of the spirit who you think was telling you not to pray that way maybe it's about that that's that's like the weakling going into a gym saying i don't want to work out you need to work out and eat <laughs> why yet it you need to get some muscle on you so you can do something. Amen. Right? And here we are, spiritual weaklings running around going, I don't want to pray for this fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And, and it starts even with a question like this. Who wants to run a race of 20 miles? Mm-hmm, not me. Mm-mm. What's, what's already, you have a weight of the world on you in your thinking. If you can run 20 miles, you, that's fine. It's not saying that God's going to make you do it. But don't be limited by your flesh. That's your flesh rising up. And so what the devil does is he gets you saying no to stuff like that. And then it comes over here to the spiritual side and God says, Hey, trust me for patience. You're like, mm, I don't want to do that. That might hurt. It's the same exact voice. He's just applying it from a physical means over to a spiritual means. And we're so used to hearing the voice of limits that we start listening to it. That's how he works. You got to know. You see that? Can you see it? Can you see how we've accepted it and didn't even know? There's a, a, a video that I saw the other day, and I, I do not know if this is true. I saw the video. It looked like it could be legitimate, but it was talking about a, a SEAL, like a Navy SEAL. And this guy saw the guy running, and uh, they were running a 100-mile endurance race. And I, was it, did you see it? Was it in the desert? Yeah. So here's the thing. About mile 80, 
the guy had broken every small bone in his foot and still finished the race. And he said, he started talking to the guy. He was like, I think I can learn some stuff from this guy. He said, one of the things that they taught us is as soon as your mind is telling you you're done, you've only expended about 40% of what you're capable of. 40%. He said, so to this guy, he just kept pushing through because he had learned how to push through. Well, the devil's trying to do that not only to your flesh in physical ways, but he's trying to apply it over into spiritual ways all the time. And so he says, you can't believe this. That's too long. God's been asking you to believe for this for too long. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to turn your heart against the love of the Father, which never was true. What's the heart of the Father? Yes and amen. You don't grow weary. It, you will reap every time in due time. Every time. It's a promise. It's an absolute. And the devil's trying to tell you, that ain't so. Matter of fact, the more your body and your flesh tells you you can't do something, the more you ought to recognize it as this is just putting me closer to due time. This is actually proving the point to you by telling me I can't do it. I can't keep up the faith. Every time he says that, he's proving to you that you can. We had covered that already. Think about this. We've got to set the sin and the temptation aside. If you're running 20 miles, I mean, 20 miles at, at the weight that I am now, I mean, I need to work out. I need to work on that if I was going to do that, right? But what if they put a 50-pound pack on my back, too? Well, 50, you know, 50 pounds, I mean, that'd make a difference from here to the car, much less 20 miles. So why in the world would we try to run this race with extra weight? You know, what, what runner's going to go out to the race and be like, here, let me put on some more stuff. I don't weigh enough, you know, and just like willingly want to do that. It, and the only one that's going to do that is if they're training, right? But in this race, we, it doesn't pay for us to ask, you know, all right, uh, devil, put extra on me. No, no, no. We're, we're just winning in the most expedient way that we can. We're not asking the devil to put more on. But why would I want to bring it on when I'm running a race, not just for myself, I'm running it for God. And when I run it the best of my ability, it sets me free and other people free too. Anything that's holding me back, I'm dropping that. I'm dropping it. I'm just going to learn how to run faster. Well, sin adds a weight it, it holds us back. It entangles our feet. This reminds me of the parable of the sower that says when the seed of the word was sown, over in Mark chapter 4, the seed of the word is sown, and it says what entangles us? The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. This is sin. This is temptation. And all of a sudden we're after all this other stuff, trying to run the race, trying to win Facebook, faith projects and we just keep getting oh I'm so tired and we take the exit and we don't win those faith projects why because we took on weight that we weren't supposed to carry in the form of sin and temptation throw that stuff off God shows you something you know it's not of God just say no to it put it down just put it down Make up your mind the next time. Think about this. Now tell me what's wrong with this kind of thinking. If anybody can come up with a good answer, then that will be impressive. All right. All right. The Lord loves me, and the next time he tells me to do something, I know he loves me. 
So the next time he tells me to do something, I'm just, uh, just going to do it. Like just simple. I'm just going to do it. Hey, son, don't jump off that building. Eh, okay, all right, that'd be good. That way I won't get hurt. He loves me. He's trying to keep me from hurting myself. Hey, son, uh, put down the beer. Put down the cigarette. Oh, okay, I will. Hey, son, get in the Word. Okay. Hey, child, son, daughter, you know. Hey, how about pray? <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do that right now. But see, what we do is like, oh, pray. No, nah. I want to go watch TV. I want to go do something else. I like this, you know, beer. I like the cigarette. And I've been there. I've done the same thing. But at some point, we got to say, God's not telling me because it's a bad deal for me. He's telling me because it's a good deal for me. And if he leads me to something, I'm just going to make the decision ahead of time. The next time he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. See, that sounds good in here until you get to Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, and he tells you to do something that you really, really like to do. And then all of a sudden, we're carrying the extra 50 pounds running the race and wondering why it's so hard. Why doesn't God just help me? I go to church. That's the way it works. So we've got to say, all right, I'm not making excuses for this. I heard, you know, heard somebody this week, somebody tell me a testimony. Why is this happening? I do this. I'm a good person. And what, you know, but they've denied the promises of God for so long and not believed them. Now, I don't, I don't even know. I'm not talking about somebody specific. I'm talking in general. They've denied the promises of God. They haven't been diligent. And then they're wondering why the things of God don't work for them. Oh, the things of God work. You're just not working them. You're picking up extra weights in sin and entangled and you're after the boat and after the this and the that and the everything else. And then you're wondering why the things of God don't work. God wants you to have all that stuff. Man, he wants you to have all of that stuff. He just don't want it to have you. And if it will entangle you, trip you up, weigh you down from accomplishing the vision and the mission that's going to set so many people free, he doesn't want you to have that because it's going to trip you up and other people with it. We can't grow weary. We've got to set the sin and the temptation aside. And like this, when we get up here, what's one of those sins and temptations? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, which means if there's a temptation to stop faith, that's sin. And so when, when we get up here and he says, uh, just stop believing, you know, I'm believing for finances, just go take out a loan. What's he tempting you with? He's tempting you to stop faith, to stop believing on the promise. And it's going to trip you up, weigh you down. Just say, no, I'm not listening to that anymore. See, when you get to this place of absolutes in your walk, all of a sudden, things change. And you stop seeing the limits of this world, and you start seeing the potential of God. And you start walking in the promises of it.
I reckon we'll finish some more next week. Lord, we just praise you. We worship you. Lord, we don't want to be the kind of people that are so easily weighed down. We get weary in well-doing. Lord, having faith is well-doing. And we want to maintain that and not get weary in it. But we've got to make a decision to do just that. We've got to decide that when you tell us to do something or ask us to do something, you're asking us out of the love of your heart. And you're not asking us to do something that's going to hurt us, no matter how loud the flesh yells at us. So, Lord, we make a decision. When you ask me to do something, Jesus, when you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to go do that. Just make that decision right now. Take a moment. Make that decision for yourself. It's a great decision. It's one of the best ones I ever made in my life. Lord, I never want to take another step backwards from you. I only want to take steps towards you. When you ask me to do something, I'm just going to say yes, and I'm telling you in advance. So ask away. I'm ready. I'm yours to command. I'm ready to go. Because I trust you. I trust your decisions. I trust your heart. I trust your love. When you ask me to lay something down, not carry the weight. I'm going to trust you. Here's one right now that I believe the Holy Spirit brought up. He says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, <laughs> lay aside worry. Fear not. Any fear, any anxiety, any worry over anything I don't care who said it what what it was where it came from lay it aside now Lord the next time I feel fear the next time I feel anxiety the next time I feel worry I'll have nothing to do with it I'll lay it aside I will not let it trip me up anymore and just say, say, say fear, worry, anxiety. You don't have any place here anymore in my life. Fear, worry, anxiety. You don't have any place here anymore in my life. I'll not be tripped up by fear any longer. By worry, by anxiety. I've said this multiple times. You know, learn Learn the emotion of fear. Learn to recognize it. It's important that you do. Learn to recognize the emotion of fear. It comes about in lack. Well, I'm not going to have this. You know, even, even husbands, you know. Husbands, you know, when, you, when your wife says, well, we, we need some more money for groceries. And inside of you, you feel that little, eh, oh. Stop asking me for stuff. That's fear. That's worry that you're not going to have enough. When, you, when you're dating, 
well, if I don't, if I don't find that right person right now, they might got gotten by somebody else. That's fear. That's anxiety. That's worry that God won't come through for you. Man, if my spouse, my wife, or my husband doesn't change, I'm never going to be happy in this. That's fear. That's anxiety. That's worry. He says, fear not. Be anxious for nothing. This is the one that he's talking about right now. Maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe the fear is this way. Lord, if, if you keep asking me to put everything down, I'm never going to have fun again. You're asking me to give up everything that's fun to me. And what you're fearing is that God will never bring you to a good time. It's fear, anxiety, and worry. And you don't really know God. If you knew him, that wouldn't even be a thought. This is just one, one area. This is just one aspect. Fear, anxiety, worry. This is just one thing that God has said and made so clear all throughout his wor word to put down. And yet, it's so prevalent. I watch, I watch people on Facebook say, well, it's normal to fear and worry about your kids. No, it's not. It's normal for a corrupted world that's trying to hold you in a curse. But it is not normal to God. There is no fear in love. And if you were in him, you would know that there's no place to worry in him. But the thing is, in that area in your life, you ain't been in him, so you got worry. Don't worry. Don't fear. It's just one little area and how easily it can trip us up and, and beset us, weigh us down in the race. And the Lord wants to break some fear out of people tonight. Right now, if you've got, you got fear in any way, you've had something, some kind of fear that's been rising up inside of you, you've had worry, you've had anxiety, and it just would not break. You've just been having trouble, and you want to be free of anxiety, free of worry, free of fear in anything, in any way. Just come up right now. Come up. Come now. Come on. Lord, I don't want to fear anymore. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be worrying. I have seen how worry and anxiousness and anxiety has held me back. That manifest in the way of lack. Are you fear, fear of lack? Are you fearing lack in your life in any way? Not just talking about money. Lack of health. Lack of, lack of patience. Lack of uh, his glory. Lack of his power. Lack of the life of God. You've, you've feared that you would have lack in any way. Lack. You're not going to have enough. Maybe it's lack of fun. Lack of joy. Remember, joy is a part of hope. God's heart is that you would have the fullness of his hope. You want that to be broken. While we're praying, if, if the Lord's moving on you, look, even if you don't know, if you're just sitting there going, well, that might be me, come on up. Just get free. Don't question it. The Lord, it's not me that's going to be moving on you. If anybody moves on you, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's moving on you, it's out of his love. So love be in Jesus' name. Lord, we just break that fear and worry 
in the name of Jesus, let the anointing of Christ bring freedom now in Jesus' name. Freedom be in Jesus' name. Freedom be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Thank you. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Freedom be. Thank you, Father. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just plead the blood of Jesus over anybody hearing my voice. Freedom be now in Jesus' name. Freedom be in Jesus' name. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Lord, we lay it down. We lay down the fear, the worry, the anxiety. We lay it down. And we run our race with all speed. With all lightness of foot. Lord we start winning our faith projects. We start receiving everything that you have for us. We praise you for it. Thank you Father for the freedom in us. Thank you Lord in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And thank you for joining us. And uh, we just... Wish you a very, very good night and week. May the blessing of God manifest in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good night.